You are listening to Aldrin Sampia on SAFM. 21 minutes after 3 o'clock and we're off to Russia next. We speak to Andrei Kortunov, a political analyst and director general of the Russian International Affairs Council. What will it take to end the war in Ukraine? Kiev says Russia must withdraw all military forces from the territory of Ukraine, arguing that this will assist to navigate the difficult path from the conflict to peace. However, Russia is of the view that the conflict is likely to drag on for years, as long as Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky is in charge. Andrei Kortonov now joining us on the line. Andrei, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. So what are the stumbling blocks and where are the bottlenecks? in these peace negotiations because now we also see um, that the there are six African leaders who are also attempting to find a solution to the impasse. I think that uh, there are a couple of stumbling blocks. Uh, the first one is territorial because uh, as uh, it was already pointed out, uh, Ukraine insists uh, on Russia withdrawing from uh, all the territories, uh, including uh, the Crimean Peninsula, uh, which uh, Russia considers uh, to be an organic part uh, of its own territory uh, because it is inhabited uh, by Russians uh, who would like to stay with Russia. Uh, the second uh, stumbling block is the future status of Ukraine. And uh, Russia, at least the Russian leadership, is very concerned uh, about uh, Ukraine joining NATO because that would uh, create an existential threat. Uh, to Moscow. And of course, uh, the intention of Ukraine is uh, to join not only the European Union, but also the North Atlantic Alliance. Uh, There are issues about uh, security guarantees, uh, issues uh, related uh, to the post-conflict reconstruction of Ukraine. Uh, So unfortunately, for the time being, uh, uh, both sides uh, believe uh, that uh, with time, their positions can get stronger. So I'm afraid that uh, uh, we are going to see a new cycle of escalation before too long with this uh, planned uh, Ukrainian counteroffensive. We do not know how it uh, might end. We don't uh, know what will happen uh, within the next uh, two or three months. Uh, we can only hope uh, that the situation will ultimately get better and both sides uh, will make uh, steps uh, in the direction of a compromise. So, so with the escalation of the hostilities, um, what would the intention behind it be if there is already at least a commitment that sure, um, let there be let there be mediation? It seems as though that there are issues in relation to under what circumstances that mediation should be should be happening. So if there is an escalation, to what end? Well, uh, this is exactly the question. Uh, uh, a lot uh, uh, will depend on whether uh, both sides. Uh, or one of the sides uh, will continue to demonstrate uh, the resilience that we have seen so far, uh, because uh, expectations are that one of the sides uh, will uh, probably have to yield. And uh, that is something that uh, might uh, become uh, a result of this uh, escalation. Ukraine clearly hopes uh, to get more military assistance uh, from the West, and uh, Russia uh, hopes uh, that uh, it uh, might uh, make full use uh, of its uh, current military advantages. Uh, So uh, I think mediation is possible, but uh, the big question is uh, whether mediation leads to a political settlement or only to a ceasefire, and uh, if the latter is the case, uh, how one can make sure that this this ceasefire uh, will be stable and uh, uh, will not be violated uh, before too long.
Yeah. So one of the issues that Russia has raised as well is the continued supply of armaments to to Ukraine. Do you think that now that Germany has hit um, um, a technical recession, and perhaps this might spread also in Europe, um, that the possibility of the economic pressure that Europe might be facing could actually force Europe um, to try and convince Zelensky to accept whatever um, whatever conditions uh, Vladimir Putin would put on the table? Well, my take is that uh, uh, probably in the Kremlin they uh, count uh, on Europe uh, uh, and maybe the United States as well depleting uh, the stockpiles of the weapons that they can supply uh, Ukraine with. Uh, so there'll be a deficit of uh, the military hardware. Uh, and uh, also probably there is a perception that sooner or later we will see what one might call uh, a Ukraine fatigue, that uh, other issues, other problems, other challenges uh, will uh, gradually overshadow uh, the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. So uh, this current uh, commitment uh, uh, to Ukraine uh, might uh, gradually erode. Uh, this is uh, a hypothesis which uh, has to be tested by time. We don't know. And uh, I think that uh, uh, maybe we will have to wait for another couple of months uh, before anything like that can happen. But uh, I think that uh, this is uh, the uh, probably the expectations that they have uh, in the Russian leadership. Yeah. A final one is the the Ministry of Defense in the UK has released what they call an intelligence update. And also part of that is that um, Russia has now, as, as they put it, that Russian forces conducted the, the biggest Shahed drone strike against Ukraine since the start of the full-scale invasion. Uh, with 59 Shahed drones, Ukraine air defense managed to shoot down more than 40 of the air targets, including drones and missiles that were moving towards Kiev. What does this then do going forward? Well, I think that what we see uh, is uh, uh, the situation when both sides are trying to explore uh, unorthodox opportunities, and you mentioned the Russian drone attack uh, against Kyiv, but uh, this morning we also <clears throat> observed a major uh, drone attack against Moscow, and uh, uh, I think that most of these uh, drones uh, were grounded, but uh, one or two uh, reached uh, some residential areas uh, in Moscow's suburbs. So I think it is dangerous because uh, it's not clear whether uh, we have any red lines in this conflict, and uh, escalation might uh, take very ugly forms, uh, uh, including even going uh, uh, to the level of a direct military conflict between Russia and NATO, and this is something that uh, will have unpredictable implications. Okay, and the Russian Federation Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov is, of course, in Africa. Um, he's on a tour in Africa, on his way to South Africa as well, ahead of the BRICS summit. Is there anything that um, the foreign ministry would be able to convince African states on with regards to the war that's currently at play? And also considering the six heads of state from Africa who had said that they'd like to mediate and find a solution to this impasse. Well, my take is that uh, Minister Lavrov uh, will try to convince uh, his counterparts in Africa that uh, uh, Russia cannot take responsibility for, uh, for instance, uh, for the uh, uh, food problems uh, that uh, exist in the continent. Uh, his other message uh, would be to convince African leaders uh, to come uh, to Russia later this year to participate in the uh, second uh, Russian-African summit. 
and uh, definitely it is uh, a major challenge, uh, but uh, it will show how Russia stands in Africa. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate that. That is uh, Andrei Kortunov, political analyst and director general of the Russian International Affairs Council, joining us from Russia. It's half past three. Time for the news headlines.